0: I have to begin this introduction with something of a confession. Earlier today, I was finishing Heart of the Game by S.L. Price on the treadmill, and I was crying. That's a first for me. I mean, I guess there have been a few books that uh, moved me to tears, uh, not very often, and never ever when I was uh, at Razor Sharp Health Club on the treadmill reading, but uh, there I was. I could not help myself as I reached... Uh, The powerful climax of this book, and what is especially extraordinary about that is that from page one, I knew at least in a sense where this story was leading. I knew the facts that surrounded this minor league ball player named Mike Kulba, who was killed when he was struck by a baseball in a minor league game, and uh, his long career in the minor leagues ended instantly. This extraordinary book, Heart of the Game, tells not only the story of that moment of tragedy, but the many years that led up to it, of uh, Mike and the game of baseball, which he loved so much, and of the special rigors that are part of minor league baseball. It is also the story of uh, the young ball player who uh, was batting at the time and uh, who, in a sense... Killed Mike Kulba, although obviously without meaning to, and the devastation which he experienced as well. Uh, this book is about so many different things, and it is um, beautifully crafted by SL. Price, a writer for Sports Illustrated, whose work I have uh, admired for a long time. And as a matter of fact, he wrote a very powerful article uh, for Sports Illustrated that some of you may have seen uh, about the the tragedy involved when players are on rare occasion uh, struck by baseballs, either pitched or hit, and uh, occasionally seriously injured and once in a while even killed. This book again is called Heart of the Game, Life, Death, and Mercy in Minor League America, published by uh, HarperCollins. And C.L. Price, uh, we welcome you to the morning show.
1: Uh, Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: I wonder if... uh, you could talk for a moment about the ways in which you weighed this story, and the various ways in which you might approach it. Maybe even ahead of that, maybe tell us a little bit about how you first became aware of the story of Mike Kulba and how at what point this began to take shape as a book project for you.
1: Well, it was you know the 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 accident happened in uh, on July this month july uh... twenty second uh, two thousand seven to two years ago uh, in little rock arkansas in a game between the tulsa drillers and and the arkansas travelers and i had heard about the accident when it happened like everybody else um... it, it, it had come over the wires and and most newspapers ran it as a sort of a uh, you know certainly a, a, a shocking but small story and i noticed and took note and i was in the midst of another story at the time and uh... A uh, couple weeks later, um, an editor uh, from SI called me and asked me if I'd be interested in writing maybe a three or four page story about it. And you know, it's the kind of story that you know, it's it's like one of those things like you know, it's a it's a train wreck. You can't take your eyes away from it. So so it's one of those yeah, death on a on a on a ball field. It, intrinsically, uh, it's one of those man you know bite dogs bites dog stories. You're you're interested in it. So I said, well, let me go down and, and uh, to and and do some reporting on it and see see what there is because there was some great reporting about it when it when it happened. Um, uh, we were coming into the story late, but nobody had spoken to Tino Sanchez, who had gone off uh, basically to sort of a uh, to take a break from baseball. He's the man who hit the ball, 28-year-old, 11-year lifer in the minor leagues. Um, He had hit the ball that had killed my cool ball and went back to his home in Yalco, Puerto Rico to sort of recover himself. Um, And I went back and joined... Tino came back to join the team in Frisco, Texas, and I went down to to see him there, and I was told that he he might possibly talk to me there. And when I um, went to that game, uh, it it also happened to be the first... uh, It it happened to be against the the Frisco team, which was also a Texas league team, uh, in which Scott Coolball, uh, Mike's brother, was also a hitting coach and a first-base coach. But Tino didn't realize that at the time uh, when he knew he was coming back. And, and I was there for batting practice, and Tino was you know, flinching when, when there were foul balls hit. He still was having problems recovering, but he was sort of mentally putting himself back together. And then uh, in the first inning, he sees a man named Coolball. He's, he's sitting in the dugout, and he looks up, and he sees a man named Coolball setting up in the first base box and
0: he sees the name on the back of the back of
1: the Jersey. And he, and he, you know, he's kind of just stunned by this and he realizes that, you know, he's told it's Mike's brother. And, and then in the sort of cool, cruel way that, that baseball has, he's, he's, he's sent out to to play uh, to sub in at first base in the eighth inning. And, and I had spoken to Scott previously that day, earlier that day, and I knew that Tino and Scott had not yet spoken. And I was sitting in the press box, and you know, literally the hair on the back of my arms and neck were going up because I re- I'm realizing that that they haven't spoken, and 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 nobody's really paying attention. I mean, it's not it's not like in the in the press box, uh, people are saying, "My gosh, look at this!" And uh, you know, if this were if this were happening on the major league level, you'd have camera crews and, and everything else sort of recording this moment, and 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 and, uh, and nobody really seemed to be taking it in
0: it was an amazing sight that no one realized <laughs> or, well, or I, a very select few people yeah realized. very
1: very select few people certainly on the benches they realized and and but i'm just saying i was looking down at the crowd that in the in the press box guys were doing their jobs you know this was going to be a one page one, one paragraph story in the paper about a game between frisco and 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 uh and Tulsa. and and uh but and people are eating popcorn, you know, I mean, it, it, it was due, it was such an emotionally charged moment. I hadn't seen anything like that in my entire career, such an emotionally charged moment. Tino, I knew, certainly in retrospect, but even at the time, I knew that they hadn't spoken, any, and he was really shaken by this, and he, he, he wanted to be, you know, to say something to Scott, and I knew Scott wanted to say something to Tino, but the code of the game wouldn't allow him to speak. You don't interrupt the competition. It's just not done, and so there's this, this astonishing tension in the air, and you know, people were eating their popcorn and, 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 and peanuts, and, and, and the game was just going on. And, and, and right then, I, I, I knew this is, this is more than a three- or four-page story. I know this is a long story, but let me just finish. Then, at the end of the game, I'm walking toward the clubhouse, and I see two women. The lights of the club, the stadium are going out. The stands are empty. And Tino's standing there talking in the near the on-deck circle, speaking with two women who I later found out were Mike's sister and Mike's sister-in-law who had come to basically um, push through their pain, it was really difficult for them to see Tino. They did not blame him at all, but but they came bearing a message from Mike's mom, listen, Tino, we don't blame you. Uh, please understand we'd want you to keep playing. Mike would want you to keep playing, and there's and the family is here for you. And I I just knew at, very quickly uh, you know after seeing that scene and then speaking to Tino later that weekend and I and, and I later found that he hadn't really spoken to anybody about it before I sat down with him including his family I, I just knew this story was uh, was was bristling with with so much detail that I that that even a, a nine page story in, in Sports Illustrated wouldn't wouldn't really be able to uh, bear all that weight and it just it was one of these things that there were so many coincidences involved that led to this moment between these two. There were there, Tino himself had wanted the job that Mike Kulbaugh got uh, three weeks previously. Uh, Tino was serving as the de facto hitting coach, but instead of, instead of um, resenting that Mike got this job, he, 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 he tried to, he swallowed any kind of resentment and, and, and gave Mike the shorthand, you know, sort of thumbnail sketches on the players and their tendencies and how to get to them and how to work with them and how to how to, um, uh, how to to be a hitting coach and just trying to get him up to speed. And, and you know, Mike was so grateful that he'd been pushing Tino for weeks to, to hey, let me take you out to lunch. And finally, the day before uh, the accident, Mike and Tino went out to lunch, and they were talking baseball and war stories. Mike was a 17-year year veteran of the minor leagues, and Tino was an 11-year veteran. And They had plenty to talk about, and then all of a sudden it it became clear. Tino told Mike uh, that his wife was having their first baby. Mike's wife was also pregnant with their third baby. Both turned out to be daughters. And and uh, and Tino said, the instant uh, the subject came up, Mike's face completely changed, and he he just started telling Tino how much he was going to love this and and how much it was going to change his life. And 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 Tino said that that's when I understood how much he he loved his family. And, And so there. It just went on and on from there, and and it it, it, it was just it's the first time a story. I had fifty thousand words and notes by the time I was done with the story for Sports Illustrated, and and I just I just knew that that it was a story that that deserved a book length treatment.
0: Hmm. One of the things that had to be tough, of course, is to approach those who had been touched most directly by this tragedy. I mean, his widow for one, his brother for another, his parents. Uh, others in the family, as well as teammates and, and, and others who uh, felt this, uh, this sorrow so, so deeply. You pose an intriguing question in your acknowledgments as you uh, begin to thank all who cooperated in the writing of this book. You said, I don't know if telling a stranger thoughts, memories, and emotions about a departed loved one enduring a stream of clarifying emails and phone calls can be cathartic. I don't know if repeated conversations with a stranger can somehow ease guilt or despair. Uh, after all these conversations, do you have at least a, a guess that 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 is part of this experience when people share like that?
1: Well, I will tell you this. When I spoke to Tino for the first time that weekend, I, I, what I later found out, because then I later visited him in Yelco, Puerto Rico, but what I later found out is that when he went home after... The accident after hitting Mike um, with the, with that foul ball, he, he didn't speak. Really, he didn't talk to anybody in his family. He didn't talk to his parents about it. He didn't talk to his wife about it. He didn't talk to friends about it. He did have some counseling with a priest in uh, with with Tulsa. But once he went home, you know, it, it's it's strange. It's the way of families. I think in some ways, it's like they they know him so well. It's like, well, we should just leave Tino alone and and let him – we don't want to bother him. We don't want to raise this difficult subject with him when exactly perhaps the opposite would have helped him. So what was strange was when I sat down with him, and I did not understand this, and it was just – I didn't know this at the time, but we spoke for two hours basically about everything, uh, about that moment that that had transpired, everything that had led to it. And at the end of it, because I was asking very basic questions, he was forced to sort of walk through the accident again. At the end of it, Tino thanked me, and it, it kind of shocked me. I'm like, "Thank, thank me, thank you for being so, so forthcoming in this." But, but he, it, it, it was a relief for him. So, there's no question that that speaking about this, in some ways, helped him. Of course, at the same time, you know, I, I can't tell you how many emotional conversations I had that ended in tears. I mean, it, it's painful, uh, but in in some sense, I think I think working through that pain is helpful. I will tell you that. I mean, the Coolball family were, were incredible. Everybody was from start to finish. And and in, when I first spoke to them in dealing for the for the article itself, I mean, Mandy Mandy Mike's wife told me, well, you know, Mike Mike was always especially near the end of his career, his playing career ended the previous fall. Uh, you know, he did, he he kept saying, you know, I just wish that I I I would get some respect for for what this for what I put into this game, and. You know, I, I think they really understood or, or, or hoped that in speaking to me that, that in some way Mike's career would get the respect it deserved I mean he was a great player by every standard except for the major league one um, and and a, and a great clubhouse presence and within the game um, people understood that about him and I, I so I think that the family you know wanted somebody to, to tell his tale and 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 just in the telling um, imbue with Mike's career with the respect that they felt it deserved, and and, and, and I will say, after having reported it, I, I feel it deserves. I mean, uh, um, the minor leagues, as Clint Hurdle, uh, former manager of the of the Rockies, told me. I mean that that that's the roots of, of, of everything that we see on a major league level. It's all taught and and uncoiled and 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 rewo and woven into the, the souls of these guys and hammered into the souls of these guys day in and day out. Um, the way you walk, the way you talk, the unspoken rules, not just the rules of the game that we all know, but the unspoken way of being. And, um, and Mike was an exemplar of, of, of minor league baseball, and, 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 and Tino was a great example of, of how minor league baseball can change someone. Um, he really accepted that code of baseball, the large, a large part of which is taking responsibility. And, and, and it's on me. No matter you know, there, there's no matter what happens in the game or how you feel, perhaps the politics of the game gets you, you're supposed to just say it's on me, it's my responsibility. I'm just gonna work harder. And Tino really took that to heart and, and to tell you the truth, I think part of that is, is why he took so much blame for this accident. Even though intellectually he knows he did nothing wrong, uh, he just feels horrible even to this day about it. And mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's gonna be a problem with him for him going forward no question about
0: it i want to ask you about one other sort of overview matter and then uh we'll talk a little more specifically about mike kuba and his career in the minor leagues and and what you learned about sort of the peculiar game of minor league baseball i want to read something from the very beginning of the book which i find quite intriguing at this point in time you have just kind of laid out the sort of the spare facts of what occurred on that uh July evening, July twenty second, 2007, uh, at this ballpark where Mike Kuhlbaugh has been struck by a, a, a baseball hit by someone on his own team. You say, there is but one blessing. Somehow the moment itself has slipped past the clutch of modern experience. No television cameras captured the ball hitting the coach, No team cameras focused on Kulba as he was struck or falling. Despite the prevalence of cell phone photography and portable recorders and the Internet's appetite for every recordable event, no Zabruder will surface with footage of the blow. It's as if, in that sudden erasure of noise just after, a kind hand conspired to wipe away any cheapening visuals, any reductive evidence of so public an accident extending even to the game's official record. I am so intrigued by that. Uh, I mean, and it's true, though. I mean, we we think of something like this happening, and, and it is with some amazement that we realize that there is essentially nothing that exists that tangibly records the moment for us the way so many other unfortunate accidents and, and mishaps are, are recorded for us sometimes by many different people. Right. Um, tell us why you think that is worthwhile to acknowledge. I mean, what, what you really are grateful for there.
1: Well, I, I will tell you, it's, it's two-track. I mean, as a reporter and as someone who's trying to understand this event and what happened and trying to, to bring it home to people, I, I, I will tell you that I, I wish there were a film. That I could have seen, of just so I could see what people in the ballpark saw that night. But as a human being, I'm really glad that that it's not out there on the internet for anybody to click on for new, for YouTube to see this. I mean, this is a profound moment. You know, this is a profound moment in a lot of people's lives. It's a profound moment in baseball, um, in the history of the game. It's a profound moment for for all the ballplayers who knew that they could have been mike coolball because the accidents accidents like this are far more common than 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 the casual fan or even the serious fan actually i think understands but um i i I just think that it it, it's i i i don't want to see that as a human being and i and i think it i think the, the, the weight of it and the heaviness of of what happened deserves a bit of mystery because it it is, it is a mystery as to why it happened. I mean, uh, literally as the, as the, as the coroner in Little Rock told me, uh, half a, half a hair in either direction of Mike would still be alive and, and you and I wouldn't be speaking here today. I mean, it, it, it was that close and, and, and there's, there's something, there's something mysterious about this event. And, and, uh, I, I, I feel that it deserves that mystery, hmm. and I, I'm, I'm, as a human being, I'm, I'm glad I didn't see it. As a reporter, I wish I could have, and as a, as a human being, I'm glad I didn't.
0: That really underscores the fact that uh, as you explored this, and surely as you came to know Mike Kulba's family and, uh, uh, and, and others involved uh, so directly in the story, especially Tino Sanchez, that you indeed were playing a couple of different roles simultaneously
1: yeah I mean it's 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 a strange thing. I mean I had to look the, the, this book was a very this story was the oddest one I've ever worked on and, and the coincidences we can we can talk about in a bit but I mean the fact is is it's a dark tale in many ways. It doesn't end well. and yet throughout the reporting of it, even in the midst of uh, very emotional interviews, um, I kept finding myself saying, well if it's such a dark tale, why do I feel so good? And, and and I and I and I have to say I mean I as a, I, I just kept first of all I was meeting with one quality person after high quality person after another who who really felt this event deeply and in the right way and I couldn't help but respect that um, and and admire it uh, from the family from Tino for, to to um, the trainer Austin O'Shea I mean I mean just 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 one person after another was was so impressive to me and then and then. The way that they handled this um, event—I mean, Tino could have been a callow, you know, second-year guy who maybe paid lip service to, to to feeling bad for Mike, but could have said, "Well, I, you know, that's—I that's, I didn't do anything wrong." But in the depth of his feeling, I think he helped the Coolbaugh family under because he, he he understood how important Mike was, and and he had lived a lot of what Mike had lived, and and. Uh, and at the same time, the cool Ball family turned to, to and pushed through their pain to 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 let and still do to this day. I mean, try and keep contact with Tino and let him understand that they don't blame him. And Scott and 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 the, and the whole family uh, reached out to him to, to let him understand that they were there for him to, to call and email and have called and emailed him. Um, and then meanwhile, the, the Colorado Rockies. I mean, ball players are notoriously stingy and. Mike was only with the organization for three weeks, and 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 the history of the game is filled with stories about guys who 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 join a team roster midway through the season and and, and actually help them get to a World Series and, and only get half a share of, of World Series share. But but the the Rockies um, voted Mike a full, Mike's family a full playoff share, came to over two hundred thirty thousand dollars, and 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 again, part of this goes to that mystery. They they wouldn't talk about it. It was it was it, they wouldn't. The national media sort of descended upon. Uh, the Rockies, as they went to the World Series, and wanted to tell a feel-good story about baseball in the midst of Barry Bonds and steroids revelations, and they wouldn't have anything to do. With it. They wouldn't talk about why they came to that decision or who came up with the idea. It was just too important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, meanwhile, throughout the Texas League, uh, you know, people reached into their pockets with ones and fives and and, and came up with with a with a, a pool of money for for the cool Ball family as well. So, as a reporter, I had to, uh, you know. I had to certainly sift through this, and this is, you know, I, I, I wanted to, I had to find out what kind of guy Mike was on my own. But but um, as, a, as a human being at the same time, um, I, I, I found myself gratified uh, to be in this world and to be um, dealing with these people who, who, who really, you know, there was nowhere to hide with this story. There was nowhere to go. They all had to be who they were because the pain was so deep and the loss was so profound.
0: Yeah. You know, I just, as you just said that, it occurs to me that one really awful possibility might have been that as you wrote this book and explored more deeply who Mike Kulba was, it's entirely possible you might not have liked what you found. I mean, there are a lot of people where. Uh, you dig beneath uh, what might be a very pleasant uh, facade and you find uh, all kinds of dark, twisted stories. Uh, somebody not nearly uh, as, as good a person as he maybe pretended to be or projected himself to be. Of course, with Mike Kulba, that absolutely turned out not to be the case. I mean, uh, everything you learned about him just makes us love him all the more and admire him all the more. Uh, but I, sh- I should think that that's a, a risk one takes when you begin looking this closely at a human being's life.
1: Sure, and I, and I will tell you that, well, there were two things that were I mean, f- for example, I mean, Tino, um, and he was, you know, generous enough to do this, you know, revealed that he tested positive for amphetamines while being a minor leaguer. And part of his resolve in coming back to Rejoining the Drillers, even after I mean he was going to retire at the end of this year. There was no reason for him to come back and join the team in their final playoff push after Mike had died, and he could have gone back to Yako and stayed there. But one reason he came back was because he had uh, tested positive, and yet the uh, the Rockies organization had been had given him chance after chance. So, you know, he and and he was not a great guy when he first came into the game, and 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 there were some you know had some negatives as a as a player. Um, but I will tell you this: I was helped along by, by by one thing, as I began one factor as I began to go into this story, which is that if you're a lifer in the minor leagues, and this I I knew instinctively, but but people told me over and over again. I mean, in some ways, at least in the in the team construct, you're a great guy if you're a lifer because they're not going to keep you around if you're if you're a um, a bush league. Talent and a jerk at the same time. If you're selfish, if you're not helping out the younger guys, if you're not generous-minded in the sense of, and in the sense of helping out other people uh, who you know are going to pass you, uh, it takes a certain frame of mind to sort of accept that about yourself and then be generous about it at the same time. Accept your limitations and and understand that you're not going to perhaps rise as high as you once thought you were, uh, and yet you're going to help out the other guys who are going to rise past you. And, and Mike was that kind of guy, and, and Tina was that kind of guy, and, and, and their teammates really loved being around them. Um, and so that kind of shorthand helped me because I, I certainly sensed that, that um, you know, these were, these, were, these, were, these were positive clubhouse presences under, under the worst kind of pressure. I mean, the, the thing to remember about minor league baseball players is that at one point in time, they all were superstars. They were, you know, on one level, you know, in high school or somewhere, they were, they were, the, they were the biggest thing they were, they, going in that small world. And, and the tough thing about minor league baseball is that eventually uh, most of the people who go through it are, are suddenly slapped in the face and told, well, you know what, you're not all that great. <laughs> and it's a tough real, realization to come to.
0: Yeah. We're speaking with S.L. Price. We're talking about his book, Heart of the Game, Life, Death, and Mercy in Minor League America. Actually, one of the things that haunts me most from your book uh, and in all that you say about the life of minor league ballplayers is this particular picture. Uh, This is from the chapter called um, Circling. (laughs) You say, I got screwed is one of the game's mantras. As common, if not as public, a baseball trope as boy plays catch with dad. It starts innocently enough. A kid starts his career maybe sporting a hefty bonus, but usually not. And he's the best athlete his town ever saw. But now he's in this machine, this system. And it's large and both intensely personal and impersonal. Men walking around naked, their daily work published for all the world to see. And suddenly, he feels like one of a thousand crabs in a bucket trying to claw his way up and out. Th- those words just absolutely took my breath away. Uh, and I think it's important for us to talk a bit about uh, the, the, the rigors of this particular kind of, of ball and, uh, and, and, and the kind of gauntlet that we are, are talking about. Uh, what are some of the things that you learned about minor league baseball uh, as you learned more about this story,
1: well, I, I, you know, the, the, it's it's first of all, it's it's tough, it's cruel, it's capricious, it's arbitrary, and it's and it's political. Um, you know, it's uh, Chris Burke, uh, one of Mike's teammates and a and a you know future major leaguer, told me, you know, when someone he he said basically the quote was, you know, when someone says they have a love for baseball. Uh, when uh, that I, when 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 a baseball person says that about a, a baseball guy, he doesn't mean it's in some sort of field of dreams cinematic way. Oh, I just love baseball. It's it's a he said it's a love hate relationship with the game. And and you know you want to beat the game because it's so tough on you.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and and you and and it's a it's a much more complicated picture. I mean Scott Koball, Mike's brother, said, said basically you're you know I got screwed is 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 a everybody has a war story. That's what he calls them. I mean, everybody has a story about how, um, you know, somebody with a bigger signing bonus was given all the breaks, even though they were being outplayed um, by somebody with a smaller uh, signing bonus. Um, and, that, and that basically you're, you can be constantly angry if you let yourself um, about all the breaks that have gone against you. And the only solace that these guys find, especially the ones who have been there for a while, is when they get out those two, you know, those three, three and a half hours out on the field, and as Scott said, you know, you suddenly say, oh, so this is this is this is why I'm doing this, and then he said, but but once once the game is over, you go back to being pissed off again. It's it's a very very tough um, existence. Um, you know, you 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 almost should look at any major league player you see as the tip of the iceberg, and beneath the surface, there are literally you know hundreds and thousands of guys who who that person passed, um, uh, and and sometimes rightly. I'm not saying that that Mike was a major league player who got you know major league talent who who, who would have been a superstar on any uh, on a major league level. Most people don't believe that, but um, you know the, these guys. Uh, there's a lot of heartbreak left behind, and it's it's a brutal existence.
0: You say at one point, minor league baseball is an endless winnowing process cast for months into a confined space where people are promoted, demoted, traded, and released every day, where today's teammate is tomorrow's memory. It is impossible to uh, relax. A little later in that chapter, you say this. I'm so intrigued by this, and this is actually... Tino Sanchez talking I think and you say you go hit list three games you want to kill yourself you think your career is over and after a win a three for four day a two hit outing the place feels like a wedding smile straight backs brave talk about the future to be whipsawed between the two is a daily ordeal corrosive to the soul and all too public those last words are yours and I think that's an intriguing part of all of this too that it's the ups and downs which uh, maybe aren't corrosive in other arenas of our life when it comes to something like this where the stakes are so high really take a toll all their own
1: absolutely and then you know you throw in the sort of cliches of minor league baseball that are cliches because they're true i mean there are 12 hour bus rides you know you, the food is not very good the 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 lodgings are not are, are are substandard in some in some places that's all true especially at the lower levels of the game and so you know, it's an exhausting existence, and it, and it, and it's um, it's unforgiving in in many ways, and and y- and at the same time, you're you're constantly questioning yourself, and you're being told to question yourself because the essence of baseball, in many ways, is failure. I mean, the the cliche, of course, is you know you 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 uh, you fail seven out of ten times at the plate, and and you're, and you're a star, and so so you're you're basically. Uh, and these guys are 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 not doing that. You know, they're 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 sitting still or or or, or watching someone pass them. And uh, I, I tell you, I it, it's a strange thing because it, I I only have even a greater respect having having sort of immersed myself in this world as much as I could for this book, um, for the for the sort of pitiless trek these guys are on because it's 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 really really tough.
0: One of the things that makes it especially hard is that. Uh, there is the sense that it does not always come down to how wonderfully you yourself are playing, that it, it, is, it is about more than that, and sometimes about more than that in ways that for a given player can be tremendously un- unfair. Uh, one of the realities uh, involves if someone has been Signed with a large bonus, and that makes a difference in terms of, in a sense, how important it is for a given club that that particular player becomes successful. Explain how that could play out very badly for a more middle of the road talent like Mike Kuba.
1: Well, it's uh, you know it it, it it played out exactly that way for Mike. I mean, he was he was scouted by one of the great legends in the game, uh, Al Macchia. Uh, a long, I mean, a, a 50-year scout in in, in baseball, who's uh, whose latest find is is Andre Ethier, who, who who's starring right now for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Well, Alomarquia was convinced that Mike, and is still convinced to this day. He says I, he said I'll hold up my hand and say I was wrong about anybody, but Mike Coolbaugh just didn't get the chance that he deserved. And what Alomarquia would call Mike was a lep, uh, a leper. He said, basically, Mike, you're, you're a leper, and that's why you're not getting the chance. And, he, and Mike's like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, you know, you, you basically didn't get enough money on your signing, but Mike was signed for like 80 grand, and, and he was a low, low draft choice. And meanwhile, Chris Wenke, who went on to win the Heisman Trophy with Florida State, the oldest Heisman Trophy winner ever uh, after his baseball career went south, um, was, was signed, and he was, a, he was a, 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 for, for over $300,000. And and Wenke, uh, was not as uh, certainly was, was a failure on, on, on almost every level um, uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays organization. But he was ahead of Mike. He was drafted in the same draft, and and basically every time he messed up, because, by virtue of his bonus, um, the fact is is that the entire organization literally was invested in Chris Wanky to try and make sure that he had every chance to succeed and and and. And, and to minimize his failures because they had put all that money into him. They had placed a bet on him. And so Mike was constantly, even though he was improving at a far be- faster rate and, and eventually was a better player than Chris Wankie by, by far, um, you know, he, he just was not going to get the chances that Chris Wankie did, and eventually he was sort of flushed out of the organization. And, and uh, Alamakia to this day, I mean, uh, you know, one of the, again, one of the ironies of this, Mike died on Lam- Alamakia's birthday. And, uh, and, and it was one of the – he mourns that to this day, Alamakia does. I mean, they're, they're not close. They weren't close. Uh, a scout doesn't have that kind of relationship with the people he brings up. But, but, but Mike provided a special kind of heartbreak for Alamakia mm-hmm. because he, he, he really feels that, that he and, – and Al would have screaming matches with, with – he was a vice president at the time with the Blue Jays organization about, you know, just give this kid a chance. But um, he was he was fighting a losing battle, and that really hurt Mike.
0: You you quote somebody else, and I don't know his first name now. the 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 last name is Papura, something like Tim that. Papura. Yeah, Tim Papura. Yep. Also talking about Mike and trying to explain why he never quite cracked through to the major leagues. You you uh, he says at one point he was good enough, yes, but always in organizations where someone was a bit better. But that didn't mean that the baseball men didn't know they could have been wrong in the sense that they could be wrong about anyone. The mystery of talent reacting to the ultimate pressure and the best competition remains as deep as ever. The opportunities just never came for him at the right time in the right circumstance. Honestly, he had talent. There just wasn't the opening. I'm so struck by that, that idea of the opportunities not being there at the right time. I mean, and for other people, of course, everything just falls into place so beautifully. And unfortunately it was not to be for mike coolba it's not all that often that we hear these kind of stories because we don't write stories about the people who don't quite make it
1: right the ones who just missed we don't we don't write about mr just missed we we write about the guy who who broke through and and the fact is is mike was hard luck i mean he you know and he was he was in the houston organization but he was constantly behind morgan ensberg at third base so he was not going to move up to the major leagues it just wasn't going to happen and then, for example, in 2005, he he puts together a, a great year where it looks like he's going to be called up, and, and 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 just when he's you know getting ready for the September call up, uh, his, his hand is broken. You know, and and that happened. And then the following spring training, he went to Kansas City, a place where he could expect to possibly move up because they're certainly not as as, as talent rich as other organizations. And uh, first day of spring training, he takes a ball on the wrist and breaks his wrist. I mean, it, it just was constant for Mike that way. It, the, the deck was stacked against him for, for any number of reasons. And um, <laughs> it's just tough, but he, mm. he kept pushing on.
0: You write at one point, it's enough to make a cynic out of any saint. <laughs> yeah. And actually, one of the great miracles of Mike Kuhlbaugh is that he retained his his love of this game to, to such a great extent. I know our time is almost gone. I want to ask you two things, and I'll let you choose whatever time you have to answer these questions. I want, first of all, I know that you uh, have made mention of some of the amazing coincidences that are part of this game, uh, uh, the story of Mike Kulba and this tragedy which ultimately befell him, and I would invite you to share a couple of the, the most intriguing. And I would like us to finish by you... Uh, sharing the uh, story of none of this unhappiness involving his frustrations or his final tragedy, but the moment of splendor, which he experienced right up for the road from us uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, with his first Major League home run. Sure.
1: Well, I mean, the the thing is, on that night, July twenty second, two 2007, the ballpark, I mean, one of the things that struck me about the story is how many people were in the ballpark that night who were, who had sort of personal experience with with the damage a ball could do? Um, Bill Valentine, who was behind the plate 40 years previously, when Tony Caniglieri, as an umpire, when Tony Caniglieri, the Boston Red Sox outfielder, um, was was notoriously beamed uh, in the face, had a, just his face, his eye just sort of grew to the size of a grapefruit. Bill Valentine was behind the plate for Caniglieri, and, he, and he, he was the Arkansas Travelers basically general manager and happened to be in the radio booth that night for the first time in years, serving as sort of a you know sudden color man, and he said he's never seen a ball hit harder than the, than the one that, that Tino Sanchez laced foul that night. Bo McLaughlin, the pitching coach uh, for the Tulsa Drillers, had his career ended by a, a, a Harold Baines comebacker up the middle uh, that shattered his face. Um, John Asahina, a Tulsa Drillers pitcher on that same field in Arkansas a few uh three months previously, earlier in the season, uh, had his skull fractured by a comebacker, and, and his first time on the field, on a playing field during a game, was, was that game when he was called out to get the medical kit. Uh, and then the, the gentleman, who, who Warren Stevens, a billionaire financier in, in, in Little Rock, who, who basically donated the land for the, um, for the, uh, uh, the new, brand-new Dickey Stevens ballpark that year. Uh, it had just opened. He was there for opening night. And suddenly, just the the night of that game, he just decided on a whim to, to go out to the ballpark for the first time since opening night, and um, and uh, you know his father had had his career ended by a, a ball to the head. So that that was you know just that alone was 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 striking to me. And then meanwhile, Mike, who was not given to sort of dark macabre thoughts in any way morbidity, the entire spring uh, was. You know, he was he, his career had ended, and certainly, you know, that's a time to take stock. But he was, he was telling his wife Mandy, you know, we we we've got to get got to set up our funeral plots together, and and I want to teach you and make sure you understand how I do finances in case something happens to me. And then, you know, most most sort of strikingly for me, you know, Mandy Mike would take his two sons uh, Joey and Jake out to, you know, five, they were five and three years old, and, and teach them how to hit uh, in the front yard and, and and work with their their batting stance and everything else, and. Mandy would usually take that time to to uh, to take a rest and, <laughs> and take a break from the kids and, and Mike that spring would constantly say no no I want you to come out and sit here because I, I, I want you to be able to teach teach the boys how to hit in case something ever happens to me And so uh, you know that that sort of recurrence over and over of that of that kind of thing is just so striking to me and 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 you know I, just just a few months before Mike had had one final chance to to uh to perhaps play professionally with with a Mexican team and, and he thought about it and he went out with a friend of his best friend Jay Maldonado in, in San Antonio and and Jay was a former pitcher minor league pitcher and 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 Mike blasted a ball at the middle and 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 what and laid uh, Jay out with a ball to the head and they you know thought he died and, and it's it's just it's just one thing after another I I, I found it really striking the coincidences here hmm. but you know again as you say i mean you know it's not all dark i mean mike did have that great movie moment and and that was um, you know in 2002 uh, sorry 2001 mike was finally called up uh after you know 12 years in his 12th season in the in the minors called called up suddenly uh by the brewers uh and in miller Park he, he had a, he had his he had his, his day suddenly he got his, his first, uh, at bat. He had a nice base hit to left. And, um, his parents had been out of touch. Uh, they were on vacation uh, out of cell phone communication and, and Mandy had been in Chicago And when they heard Mike, um, had been called up. They just went crazy. And just, and, and his parents drove all night, uh, uh, from upstate New York to get to Milwaukee. Um, and they made it to Mike's second game um, that he played, and 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 Mandy was there as well, and his sister, and the whole family came, and it, it was really just a wonderful thing because the whole family, of course, all minor league families invest so much of their time and energy and money into into you know supporting these guys, and uh, Mike was able to to drive a, a John Garland pitch. Uh, over the over the fence for a home run, and, and you know he had said before the game, you know Mom, I'm going to have a great game today. My dad is here, and his dad was you know one of those hard-driving fathers, and 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 uh, but his dad was so sort of taken with the beauty of the swing, he, he went out and watched it on the on the uh, concourse TVs and the replays, and he said it's the, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And Mike, you know Mike had that cup of coffee. I mean he, he, he played the next year. He he, fit, he played he had 44 at bats I think with total. He played a bit with Milwaukee and then and then a bit with St. Louis the next year, or even shorter cup of coffee there. His biggest problem or, or his biggest complaint was or hope was he he just wanted a baseballs a game of, of, of succeeding over time. You can't prove anything over five games or ten games or, or even you know coming in over, you know in spotty situations you know every once in a while I mean it's about success over 162 games and Mike just wanted the chance to understand whether he was a success or a failure and the only way to know that in baseball terms is if you have a chance to, to succeed or fail um, over a real stretch of time and and that that that's the heartbreak for him he, he got a whiff uh, of, of major league ball and any he, any he, and he showed he could hit that home run and 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 I can't tell you he it, it's it's, it's, it's it's, it's remembered with, with great fondness throughout the family, and Mike loved that moment like you wouldn't believe. But he, he, the break he didn't get was the ability to show whether he could succeed or fail um, on a big league level you know, over time, and, and it stayed with him.
0: Hmm. Well, of course, he was uh, a great success in, in many other ways, uh, especially as a husband and as a tremendously devoted father and friend. And uh, one of the tributes to that is 700 people coming to his funeral, including the umpiring crew from that game where he was killed, driving 633 miles through the night in order to pay their respects, as did many others, to this, uh, this good man. Are you in touch with the principals uh, even now after the, the book has been published? and Do you know much about how this is book is received by them?
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I went on a book tour, and I, I went to San Antonio, um, and many uh, Mandy and the kids uh, came, and they, they, uh, as well as 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 some members of the extended Coolbaugh family, and I've gotten emails, and uh, they seem happy with the book. I mean, uh, I I think, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it's a tough thing. I I didn't I, I I said to them, look, please don't feel like you have to read it or or come because I don't want I didn't want them to go through any more pain, um, but. It's just, it is what it is as they say in baseball terms I mean they they came and they were incredibly supportive and then I went to a, a Tulsa drillers game and and uh, the trainer who I, I have great regard for for the Tulsa team uh, and uh, uh, and and the umpire who's behind that plate uh, came up that night and just happened to be there that same game and and um, people i I think understand I mean i i, I wanted to I wanted to give this man and this this life, meaning the minor league life, uh, the greatest respect I could while while showing exactly what it was about, and um, they, they seemed to be happy about it. Um, Tino, meanwhile, I've spoken to him uh, last this past spring, and I've, I've spoken to his dad, and, and I know that over Christmas time, Tino was still having a hard time. Holidays are hard for him, too, because he – it hits him that, you know, Mike's kids are growing up without a father, and I know he was having a rough time this past holiday season. Um, it's going to be a tough road for him, and I, I, I think he's a, a superb man, and I'm and I i sure if he wants to get back in baseball as a coach, he can, And it, but it's going to be a mixed bag for him because mm. it's what he knows, it's what he loves, but uh, in some ways I, I think it hurts him now to be on the field.
0: Sure, he can't possibly love it in the innocent way that he once did. Yeah. The book is Heart of the Game, Life, Death, and Mercy in Minor League America. It's published by ECHO, which is a division of HarperCollins. S.L. Price, I thank you so much for writing this really, really marvelous book. I do appreciate uh, the chance to speak with you about it. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me.